So this show is going to first air around Father's Day. And it made me just stop and reflect on what it means to be a father. Now, I've done many things in my life, built businesses. I've spoken on stages worldwide. I've been on a TV show. And now this labor of love chatter that matters. They've all been magical experiences, but none has touched being a father. This is an extraordinary and unconditional gift that keeps on giving. Walking to school, tucking notes into their lunch boxes, clapping till my hands hurt at school events, and then watching them grow into beautiful women who can and do and care. What I'm most proud about is these two girls are Chapman sisters. Very different in many ways. One lives on the West Coast in the United States, one in the United Kingdom, but their bond is magical. They have each other's backs. And now there's more icing. I have a grandson now. I'm watching my daughter be a wonderful mother, as well as a wonderful marketer, and a incredible sister to the world's greatest aunt, all adds to my pride for the people they become. Now, I have a different relationship with them than their mother, and that's okay. I can tell you that I'm honored when either daughter calls me for advice, work through a decision, or they're navigating a path under construction or without signposts. I think Charles Kettering said it best. Every father should remember that one day their children will follow their examples, not their advice. I hope I've given them more good examples than bad because how they approach their life is how I will best measure mine. I share something with my guest today that his children are the love of his life. And through a sequence of events, he lost contact with them. For over three years, he didn't see his boys. And then one day he got to hug him again. And what he felt and what he learned and what he overcame has in fact become the calling of his life. His name is Gary Yonkun, and this is his story. You're listening to the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network, and this is Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. Gary, welcome to Chatter That Matters. Tony, thank you so much for having me as a guest here. I love your videos online. I encourage my listeners to go and really hear what you have to say in your honesty and transparency. I want to begin this interview with three tiny excerpts from a video you recorded on your 40th birthday. I had been divorced for a number of years and I met a girl uh, that I had fallen in love with. And I had spent maybe about eight months with her before deciding to introduce my sons to her. And those first couple of months were incredible. We would spend time watching movies together. We would cook. The one day we went to the harbor and to go and do some crabbing. And I just thought my life couldn't get any better. Things changed dramatically the day that my girlfriend was going to be uh, moving into my apartment. I told my sons about this and it was, I think, very hard for them to accept potentially she might, they might be her stepmother. We're not prepared to handle events like this in your life. There is no educational, there is no education that I had uh, leading up to this point. There's no preparation for it. Things started spiraling horribly out of control where my kids weren't happy to see me when my girlfriend was gonna be there. And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I just didn't know how to deal with the situation. The day that they, my, my girlfriend moved into my apartment would be the last day that I would end up spending time with them for a period of over three years. And this just destroyed me. 
Gary, I've watched a lot of videos researching a lot of guests. And one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard is when you said, the day my girlfriend moved into my apartment would be the last day I would end up spending time with my sons for a period of three years. Gary, we're going to get to that day. But before we do, I just want to give the listeners some context on who you are. Let's start with where did you grow up? Tony, I grew up in, a, in South Africa is where I was born in a tiny little town called Peter Maritzburg. Uh, most people have never heard of that town, but this is the town or the city that Mahapta Gandhi started his peaceful protests. Uh, I was a very shy and introverted kid, could barely speak with any of my cousins and uncles. I was so happy just spending time in my dad's garage building things. That's how tree houses and little inventions just an extremely introverted child. You know, there's somebody else that's very famous from your town. And that happens to be my wife, Marion, who grew up there as well. Oh, are you serious? Well, yeah. <laughs> this is a so, so Her whole family's from there. So when I told her that where you were from, she went, wow. So spending time in your dad's garage, was he there with you? Was this sort of the father-son bonding? Or was this you just snuck in there and started messing with his tools? No, it wasn't that. I was just this kid, just building time alone, you know, just being so shy. I kind of shut myself off from the world, being bullied at school. And so my happy place was building my treehouse or going into my dad's garage and just building for hours and hours. The most frustrating thing was when my mom called me for food. <laughs> I just wasn't interested at all. Probably why I was so skinny. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to fast forward the show because we really want to get to it. But this introverted kid that can barely speak, you can convince somebody to marry you. So tell me a little bit about uh, who you asked to marry you and who you had these wonderful boys with. So her name is Belinda. Uh, she's an amazing woman, amazing mother. Um, and uh, she lives in England now with my sons. And so you have two sons and yet that wonderful relationship does come to an end. How old were the boys when, when you decided, the two of you decided that it's probably best you go separate ways? I'd say they're about six years old or nine years old. It's a number of years ago now, but it was roughly that age. And how did that change the dynamics? Because I know that when relationships end and there's whole things of, you know, who's got custody, that's very often, you know, the dad's knocking on the door for permission to see their son versus the, you know, week earlier, the currency of being, I'm your dad, let's go do something. Did it change for you at all? I would say it actually improved because in that 10-year marriage, I felt like both of us had lost ourselves. We were just, I was so busy working. My, my ex was this housewife and just providing and sorting out for my kids, uh, for our kids. And uh, I finally got some time by myself to actually nurture myself and heal a little bit from, you know, no longer, you know, not giving time to myself. So when I saw my sons, it was a better version of me showing up to actually spend time with them. So it did actually improve after we got divorced. And so after you get divorced and years later, you meet someone else that you decide is going to be a very important part of your life. And from what I read and saw in some of your videos, at the very beginning, your boys were quite happy with this. I mean, they saw you happy and they were out watching movies and you were starting to hang together. It must have felt pretty good. My life did feel very, very good at that stage. Yeah, it was um, that early stages, you know, spending time going to the beach and bike rides and little road trips and cooking together. You know, I felt extremely happy. I was with somebody that I was very happy with and my son seemed to be accepting them. Uh, even my ex was uh, very good in that early stages there of welcoming her in. 
So everything seems so perfect on paper. And you talk about the beach and one day you've got a pail, you're out looking for crabs with your sons and, and your girlfriend's there. And, you, and from what I understand, life couldn't get better. But you mentioned to your sons that you're going to move this relationship on, that she's going to actually move into your place. And you had a very different reaction than you expected. Yeah, from how it was going. And I just didn't have the language. I didn't have the skills. Nobody had shown me ever how to navigate that. When you get divorced, you then start dating other people and then introducing that person to your children and not really knowing how they're going to respond. And it didn't go well. They, from them really loving spending time with us to then saying, I don't want to spend time whenever your your girlfriend is there. We don't want to come around. And it just, my world just started collapsing from that point. You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. And I checked my phone one last time before turning it off. And I received this email from my son's school. And seeing that was like a knife being stuck into me. It's Tony Chapman. My guest is Gary Youngkun. As you listen to this, imagine that this is an email being addressed to you. So, Gary, we, we just talked about, you know, that if your girlfriend's around, they don't want to be around. And you also talk about that this wasn't the only thing happening to you, which is a tough place to be in, a rock between a rock and a hard place, this, this woman you love and the sons you love. But in terms of your health and your business, a lot of stuff was starting to crumble. Can you just sort of take us to that period of your life? Absolutely. Yeah, it all unfolded over a fair amount of time from that moment of sharing that news with my sons that she was going to move in to her moving in where I felt like I was being pulled apart by four wild horses, where whatever I did wasn't right with my sons, with my my ex-wife, with even my, my girlfriend and how I was navigating that. And that took my focus completely away from my business. And that resulted in that collapsing and resulted in me ending, ending up in a hospital over this, where I was rushed off by the paramedics to the hospital. Everything that I ate or drank would be like I'll have these sharp stab pains within my stomach. It was over this maybe fear of losing my sons. I could feel what was taking place. It was this rumbling on oncoming train that was going to smash through my life. And I took my focus away from absolutely everything. So I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't eat properly. I couldn't like everything was just such a dark place that I started going through there. Again, I encourage people to watch your videos because you're so honest at this point in your life. And you said, the one thing that happened is you reached out to a friend, a mentor, and you explained your situation and how drastic it was. And he completely turned the conversation and narrative around from being a crisis to what he called a gift. Take us through that. I have to mention his name. His name is Gwyn. I honor him. He's an amazing man. Uh, I'd known him for a number of years and we had many conversations and walks in the forest and just sharing about life and his wonderful wisdom. But it was about seven months of not seeing my sons and I couldn't believe this was going on for so long. And it was supposed to be that weekend that I would see my sons. And I met up with him and I said, I don't understand why my sons are still so angry. Why don't they want to see me? Why can't I uh, get to see them? And he said to me, and, and as a great mentor, asked me phenomenal questions. And one of his questions was, Gary, what is the gift in this situation? And I said, what do you mean, what is the gift? How on earth can this be a gift? I don't get to see my kids. My life is a mess. 
this isn't a gift. And then I realized, what am I going to do with this time, those weekends that I'll get to see my sons of, you know, getting them up in the morning and making them food and wrestling with them and cycling and all those wonderful things. What would I do with that time? And that's when, you know, some major changes started taking place inside of my life. And you talk about, you know, this sense of commitment to your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health. And one of those adventures, you decide to go into the middle of the forest with a sleeping bag, which I would never do. I just had too many ghost stories as a kid. But uh, just before you're about to walk onto that trail, you happen to, to look at your phone and an email comes in. And what was that email? You know, this was just a standard email from my oldest son's school, just a, a basic report. And I read in that email that his, he no longer had my last name. And it really felt like a knife went into my stomach and realizing this might not be one or two more weeks or months. This could be a decade or two before a sequence of events would take place in their lives where, you know, failed relationships and work and other things for them to realize there was another side to the story and that, you know, hopefully they would then come back to me. So it was, it wasn't an easy email to actually re receive. Did you carry on and spend that night alone in the forest? I did. I, yeah, it was in a waterproof sleeping bag in a forest in England, uh, under an oak tree. And I remember walking to find a place, uh, to, to sleep the night and with so many thoughts going through, through my mind. I got to imagine it was a tough way to try to sleep when that happens, when you get an email like that. Did you see a gift at the time? I mean, I want to go back to this, what the mentor had offered you. Was there something in that email that you could say, I can build from, I can turn it around, or was it just, you know, fight or flight? There, there was a gift. And the gift was to really, what, what started here was I started recording some videos for my sons on YouTube. And the first video I recorded was this video in understanding the change of the surname and not blaming them for the anger that my older son had felt over that situation. So it was this way of reaching out. I had no way of contacting them directly. And so this was my way of reaching this out, that if they were to search for their names, they would find these videos. And those would lead to wishing them happy birthday and Christmas. And when I was doing different things, you know, I would share those little short videos with them. Do you know if they actually saw those videos during that period? They did see them, unfortunately, and this is a different approach that I would take. Instead of uh, bookmarking or, or tag, tagging their name, I would always tag my own name in the future because other bullies at my older son's school found those videos and they ended up using that to actually bully them. But it might have been one of those seeds to know I hadn't forgotten about them, that I was still there thinking about them every single day. You come out of this and you, you go through another major life change, from what I understand. I mean, you start volunteering, you start creating a sort of minimalistic lifestyle. Was your girlfriend still with in the picture at this time? As part of a whole lot of difficult things that I started doing, like sleeping the night in the forest, I had actually ended the relationship with her a month before that time going into the forest. And this was, I felt like I was cutting my legs off because this was someone we loved each other. But I could feel through all the changes I was going through, my life was just changing at such a rapid rate. And she would forever be, feel this responsibility and this speaking. And in that time, I felt like I was speaking for her, that she would feel responsible being this person that caused all of this. And it wasn't the case. It was just this catalyst that took place 
So I never wanted her to be that person caught in the middle of that. And so that was a very hard decision uh, that I actually had made there. So as you're coming along, I mean, you've met your first mentor and he's a lifetime mentor, but this next Yoda you meet is a two-day mentor, but he gives you an incredible piece of advice when you're volunteering about trust. I was volunteering at this event for about six days, chopping wood, building things, just supporting this event that took place. And I managed to see one of his conversations. He was a, one of the guest speakers there. His name's Satush, Satish Kumar. And he was talking about during the 60s of being a nuclear pacifist and his 8,000-mile journey walking for two years to speak to the leaders, the world leaders, to say this is not going to go very well. So I knew that story of who he was. So I managed to speak with them and talk very briefly about what my journey, what I was about to do, the journey that I was about to go on. And so he had shared one bit of advice to me. And this was after another event had taken place and we're sitting on hay bales and I'd asked him a question. Satish, what would you do in my situation? I'm about to go on this big journey myself. I don't know where it's going to go. What would you advise me? What's one bit of advice you can give me? And he turned to me and he patted me on the leg and said, Gary, you need to trust. <laughs> so, yeah, it just such a simple statement, but served me so incredibly well into my future. Because I have to believe at that point in your life, you weren't sure what to trust. I mean, you're, as you said, you're being pulled apart by four wild horses. And I don't think it really changed much when you're dealing with, you know, the girlfriend that you love, the boys, the email, lots of going on. And that change you make was quite dramatic. You sold everything. You moved to South America. You even take up salsa dancing. And you said you were the worst salsa dancer at the beginning. I mean, that's quite dramatic to move. Were you running away or were you moving away? I got to a place where I did some calculations and realized I didn't have enough money to pay the rent and all my expenses, the car and everything else, along with paying maintenance for my sons. I had maybe three weeks worth if I cut everything out. And so this was part, I would say, survival along with trying to extend that plane that was coming down to crash. And so the only way I could work this out was remove my house, no expense there, car, any expenses that went worth that, that I then extended that runway so that I would have money to pay my the mother of my kids some money and some food, and I'd figure it out from there. So it was a complete free fall that was taking place and a reboot within my life. What I'm fascinated with is I looked at part of this midlife renaissance, that part of your journey was to take up stand-up comedy, which seems to be the job I would least pick for someone that's described themselves as an introvert, scared to talk to even your cousins. Yeah, it wasn't a job. It was a challenge that I challenged myself and a good friend that I'd met. I mean, we went through this boot camp every single morning, getting up at 5 a.m., worked out for two hours, outdoor gym at middle of winter within England, uh, through to doing meditation and Vim Hof breathing, all these things. So this was part of us challenging each other to do uncomfortable things. And we both end up doing a stand-up comedy gig in London. So it was something as the shy introverted, I'd rather have the, the earth open up than me actually go and do that. Also did some improvised comedy, uh, public speaking, a range of things that were just, I absolutely feared. Whatever we feared, we went towards. And it was the most life-changing thing ever. Got some food out of my basket, out of my bag. It's Tony Chapman. When we come back, Gary gets the most important and wonderful and magical hug in his life. 
Hi, it's Tony Chapman from Chatter That Matters. The world's upside down and having peace of mind seems to be the exception versus the rule. RBC Wealth Management is hoping to change that. They don't have a crystal ball, but they do have a team of experts dedicated to working with you to preserve and grow your wealth and help you manage risks so that you can enjoy the rewards of your labor. Your peace of mind and financial health matters to RBC. Confused, I was like, what do you mean, what is the gift? How can this be a gift? And then I realized, what am I going to do with this time that I have available where I'd normally be seeing my sons? What am I going to do with that time as opposed to just worrying about it, allowing my life to spiral out of control? You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. My guest today is Gary Yonkun. A mentor told him that there's a gift in any circumstance, and you will soon hear how circumstances have manifested into a gift for other fathers who are struggling with relationships with their children. So I want to fast forward. So you you haven't seen your sons in two and a half, three years. What made you feel it was time to make some moves on the chessboard to get back that relationship? And how did you go about doing it? I think through all these difficult things built this resilience inside of me instead of me fearing going back and having a conversation with somebody that was very angry with me and didn't understand the the sequence of events that took place. But it was through this time in in South America, living with a tribe of hunters and gatherers in the Amazon jungle and time with other indigenous tribes and all of these things, these hard things that I did within my life gave me this courage, this resilience to go towards meeting up with my ex-wife and she had 60 family members in her, you know, in the town that she was living in with my sons. And I thought they were all going to be waiting there, tar and feather me. And, and <laughs> it was a lot of fear that I had that it was just going to unravel very badly. But I built up this courage. I knew it was something I had to do. And I have to give acknowledgement to my good friend that I was traveling the world with, where he said, Gary, you talk about your sons all the time. This is something you need to do. Don't go off to Mexico. You have to go and speak with your ex-wife. And I realized, okay, this is something that I have to do. You talked about earlier, not prepared to have tough conversations. Were you, how did you prepare for that first meeting with your, your ex-wife? It was, as I was saying, not just one thing. It was just this forgiveness that I had for myself, forgiveness for her. Um, it was this letting go of the suffering that I had been through and all of these other actions that I had been through prepared me for that. It it wasn't just one thing that I did there. It was just this culmination, this compounding effect that took place in my life to prepare me for that meeting. And how was her reaction to you, you know, saying, I want to rebuild this bridge? We met up in a coffee shop in England and it was a four hour coffee that we ended up having to do, ended up having. And at first it was, I could feel her frustration, her anger, just all these two and a half years building up inside of her that finally she had this chance to be able to speak to me and ask me all of these questions and for me to share a part of my journey, my side of this. And so it ended up smoothing out over those four hours and eventually her showing me photos of my sons and and I just couldn't believe in two and a half years from where they were at to how much they had grown and changed was just this time walk that took place but just 
most wonderful thing, seeing photos of them again like that. You know, I've read stories about, for example, soldiers that have gone off to war and come back and missed two and a half or three years and just feeling, you know, completely lost and outsider, almost like they're looking into a snow globe. Four hours, it goes from, you know, where were you and all the questions she has to her actually showing pictures of her sons. Did you think that that might be the first step and that there'd be a time when you'd be back having pictures with your sons? Did you think that was the possibility? I don't think I actually went to that stage. You know, I got to such a place of this two and a half years apart with my, you know, receiving that email with my son, this acceptance, it could be 10 or 20 years that I was just open to whatever unfolded there. I was just so happy to have had that conversation with my ex and that the, maybe the start of this bridge was being formed. I, I didn't go into the future of trying to plan out how things would be. So no, I, I didn't. I, I was very open. And how long before you got to see your sons after that coffee? It would be another six more months before I would actually get to meet up with them uh, in, in person. That must have been a long six months. It was a long six months and I continued with my life. I was feeling quite at peace knowing that I at least had this contact. I continued to have a few more conversations with my ex-wife, but nothing from my sons. But there was one day where my older son reached out to me through uh, Instagram and I received this message from him and he said, hi, dad. Uh, you know, I always wanted to become a professional motocross rider. And is there any way that I can, that you'd be able to help me buy a motocross bike? I promise you that I'll pay you back and I can see you doing okay from looking at your Instagram. And I don't know why, dad, but I stay awake uh, till five o'clock in the morning crying because I miss you so much. And that was the start. We've, we've never separated from that, that time with both of my sons. That became the catalyst to start the conversation and to start this reuniting process. Talk to me about that first meeting because I, I love the way you described it in one of your uh, interviews. Yes, it was a Saturday morning and we had arranged everything that I'd be arriving on that Saturday morning. And as I got out of the taxi there, my oldest son was standing at the door. I don't know how long he was standing for, but we both ended up just walking up to each other and giving us this giant hug <laughs> It was such a magical moment. <laughs> Couldn't believe after all of that time, getting to see him again. And my youngest son was inside. He was a little bit more uh, apprehensive, but very shortly we started hugging each other and, and the conversation started to flow. And <laughs> it was just so wonderful spending time together and, and just all of that time apart just to actually see each other again. Gary, I can imagine how emotional that <laughs> hug was, and our guests and listeners can certainly hear it in your voice. But that's just a hug. Was it the beginning of rebuilding a bridge? I mean, what's your relationship like today with your your sons and even your ex? It's a great question there, Tony. The relationship with my sons is so wonderful. I have conversations with them every few days. I have um, flown them over to go and see my um, brother and his uh kids along with my ex-wife. Um, I communicate very often with my ex-wife. It feels like we've been able to put everything that's taken place in the past, all that wounds, all of that suffering, that anger that we had for each other, all of that has, has, has gone. And it is just amazing that we can now 
work together and what's going to be best for the sons and communicating. And she's even got up at four o'clock in the morning to drive my sons to the airport so that they could fly over here and spend time with me. So it is, it's hard to believe now that all those years back that I'd be where I am right now. You know, Gary, these types of circumstances, you know, families breaking apart, impact not only the individuals and the children, but the extended family. So I'm, I'm interested to know what happened during the times that you were apart. Did that mean that your parents had lost connection with your boys and, and has it been rebuilt? So many parents go through exactly this, mothers and fathers, where their sides of the family don't get to see the kids. And my parents didn't get to see my kids over that time or my brother and sister or my brother's kids. And so this is where that initial time of flying my sons over to Germany to meet up with my brother and his kids and I flew my ex-wife with but this was the first opportunity for us to have a Skype call all together where my parents were on the other side my sons were there even my ex-wife was there saying hello to them and it was such a wonderful thing again I couldn't believe that that actually took place but yes it was the start of everybody becoming reunited again. You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. You have found 100K Fathers. When I joined, I was at probably the most stressful time in my life. And I know I've only been on here for a few weeks, but it changed everything. Hearing the other dads explain their situations, talk about the benefits, communicate in such an articulate manner was impressive to me, thinking I could actually relate to these people. And these are people that that want to persevere and have a lot of grit. My guest today is Gary Yonkun, who felt like a knife entered his body when his oldest son chose to change his last name. But you'll soon see that heart can mend all wounds. You know, Gary, my show is a lot about overcoming circumstances to chase dreams, change your world, and often other people's worlds for the better. You've done that with 100,000 fathers. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what you're doing to help the Garys out there or the, you know, the mums or fathers out there that have lost connections with their children. But in their heart, nothing would matter more than to rebuild that. It's working with so many different fathers around the world and from such a broad range of events that take place within their lives from most of the time it's divorce that separates fathers from, from their kids and obviously for mothers as well, it does happen. But it's this journey of learning from so many hundreds of fathers and these experts and children that can get to see their kids when they're young, now they're grown adults, and just tapping into all of that wisdom and knowing how to navigate this extremely difficult journey. And one of the important lessons in all of this and what I share with the fathers is honor your children by looking after yourself. Become the best version you possibly can be that when you do have an opportunity to see or spend time with them, it's the best version of you showing up, not this broken, drowning man that that child will then end up putting a boundary in place, keeping that father away from them because that father would end up being so toxic. So this is where fathers have to go through a healing. They have to go on this path of becoming the best version of themselves. I love what your website says because everybody's looking for immediate gratification, three steps to happiness. But you're saying there's no shortcut. If you're not willing to do the work, this won't help you. So it really is a gauntlet that you're asking these and, you know, being the best of yourself. But it's quite a gauntlet that they have to go through. So when we get on the other side, there is a human being that these 
children will value and love and cherish and maybe, you know, reclaim some of that lost time. There is no magic bullet or magic pull or some perfect expert that's going to bring your kids back to you. There's no judge on the planet that's going to make your children love you. You have to put in that work. You have to go through that healing. You have to forgive yourself, forgive everybody around you. And unless you do that, you're going to be a broken man. And it's not going to be this kind of, this father that's going to be there for your children as a guide, uh, as a God and a guardian and as a mentor. So yeah, there is definitely no shortcut in this and it can, it's not, not something that just takes a few weeks or months. This can take many years. Many fathers I speak with, it's more than 10 years that they haven't seen their kids. Can you share a story, one or two stories of fathers that have made that effort and how it's mattered to them and to their children? Absolutely. I want to honor again one of the first fathers that I worked with one-on-one where he was an ex-NFL football player, uh, three children, a son and two daughters, and hadn't seen them for a long time. And He's now reunited with all three of his kids, six-year-old son, a four-year-old little daughter, and a nine-year-old daughter. And just the changes that that man went through within his life to be able to get to that place and to have mended the relationship with the mothers of those kids in terms of putting things aside to make sure that the kids are the priority. And the fact that that one of the mothers that was felt that it was best that that father wasn't in that child's life, ended up flying that little daughter to go and see the grandparents for her fourth birthday. So this is a reuniting of the family. As part of working with that father, that father reunited with his own father that he hadn't spoken with, with for many years out of the shame of what took place, along with his six brothers. So... It's just these wonderful stories. And to have a call with him and his little daughter's climbing over his back and he's saying, Daddy, you know, to his daughter, this is Gary. This is the man who's been helping me. And she's saying, Daddy, Daddy, can we go and watch a princess movie? And he's like, yes, yes, I'm coming now. So there is that story. And it's just so beautiful just to hear how things have been improving there and their relationship and growing and nurturing there. There's another father that three kids as well, youngest daughter living with him, uh, son and oldest daughter didn't want to see him. And the father, when he joined 100K Fathers, couldn't get out of bed, really struggling just with the events that took place and not seeing his kids. And I said, you've got to be ready for when your children come. If they reach out to you, what father is going to show up? Put in that work. And he started getting back to chopping wood, taking his youngest daughter on camping trips and road trips and seeing other family members. And then six months after he joined 100K Fathers, his older, his son reached out to him and said, Dad, can we meet up for dinner? And he ended up over dinner. That son asked him a question, Dad, what have you been doing all this time? I've been chopping wood and doing all this, this and this and this and this. And the father asked the son, what have you been doing? I've just been playing Xbox all this time. Dad, can I come live and move in with you? And he said, okay, I need to speak with your mother about this. And a week later, that son moved in with him. And so this is the work. While this is the gift, when you're not seeing your kids, put in that work, become the best version of your kids, honor your kids so that when you do get that phone call, that text message, I want to see you. You're going to have the capability. You're going to have such gratitude in your life, such such 
momentum built in your life that when the, you see your child, that child is going to feel that gravitational force in your life and they were going to want to be a part of your life. They were going to want to be a part of that movie. It's a great movie you're a part of. They don't want to be a part of this Drowning Man movie. Have you found your calling, Gary? Is this what, this is your life now? Or because some of the, will take salsa lessons in South America and sleep alone in the forest can also be quite nomadic. If you're starting to plant roots and saying, this is where I'm dedicating my life, I'm going to now be the Yoda because two Yodas helped me in the past. Well, I look at myself as being a guide, possibly not a Yoda. I've got a lot of wisdom still to be gained, but I absolutely love this. this is what I do every single day. I just had a group call with the fathers before this call and guiding the fathers and sharing these stories on how to navigate this. And this is my absolute passion. I, I love working with these fathers and I'd love in the future to be able to get this wisdom out there for mothers and fathers before things break down. And even for the, your listeners who are listening to this, put in that work. It doesn't have to go that path. You can just by looking after yourself, nurturing yourself, making sure you've been energized, not by the relationship or by your kids, but by all these other tools that are available from meditation and journaling and breath work and doing difficult things, cold showers and ice bars and all of those things strengthen you for the difficulties of life. That when you do have that turbulence taking place in a relationship, you've got the language, you've got the ability, the deep roots to be able to handle those storms. So I absolutely love this. And to really answer your question, my nomadic journey, I traveled for about six years. My roots have started going in for about the last two years, but my travels is now continuing with my sons and climbing extinct volcanoes and wonderful different journeys and adventures. It's going to continue in that, in that way. And along with uh, the girlfriend with it, that is within my life. So Gary, I always end my podcast with my three lessons or my key takeaways and, uh, you know, as always, because I have such incredibly interesting guests, it's very difficult to do. But off the top of my head, the first one I would say is mentorship, guides, Yodas. I love what you say. The great ones ask great questions. And I think the two pieces of advice that you got that we could all live with out of any circumstance, out of any crisis, there's a gift. And you found the gift in terms of saying, believing in yourself and rebuilding who you are with that time. I thought it was beautiful. And the other one, when he just, their two-day mantra said, just trust yourself. And I think trust had been broken in many, many ways in your life. And the fact that you could just trust yourself, I thought was wonderful. The sense of, you know, Disney did the circle of life, but I think what you've created is the circle of love. And where I really saw something in you in the last couple of minutes is how animated you are in terms of build yourself up be the best you can be you know when this person not only rediscovered the relationship with their kids but the father they lost relationship with it truly is a circle of love and that circle can be broken it can be splintered it can be destroyed but i think what you're offering is people is a chance to reforge it and i think relationships and connections are the most important thing in your life and i guess the third thing is just that you found your calling. You know, we didn't really get into your business, but you were addicted to being an entrepreneur and very self-important individual. And it was all about Gary. And you, that probably caused a lot of the reason why your first relationship split up. But now it's not about Gary. It's about climbing volcanoes with your sons. It's about getting on a Zoom call with these people. It's about sharing wonderful stories. For So for all of that, I'm so happy you found your calling. 
And more important, that you answered my calling when I invited you on Chatter That Matters. Tony, being so amazing, um, being a guest on your amazing podcast and radio show, and uh, having this opportunity to share part of my journey here and what I'm doing here with these fathers. Thank you, Tony. Chatter That Matters has been a presentation of RBC. Fridays, join Tony Chapman for Chatter That Matters on the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network. It's Tony Chapman. Let's chat soon.